Hey everyone, thank you for tuning in to the New Birth Podcast. There's a word of hope for you today and we are excited for what God is doing here at New Birth. For more information, visit our website, nbplaceofhope.com. Now for the message by our senior pastor, Gabby Mejia. I want to encourage you to go get your Bibles or turn on your Bibles. And if you don't have a Bible, it's okay, just look at the screen with us um, as we share what God wants us to learn today. Uh, last Sunday's uh, theme was dying to live. Sermon series is how is your living? How's your living? Um, and last Sunday, Pastor John was talking about the importance of understanding that in order to live, you've got to die. Um, th- th- there's a scripture in Revelation chapter 3, which I'm not going to get into, but Revelation chapter 3 the first verse is Jesus himself speaks to the church of Sardis. And he says to the church of Sardis, he says, I know that you have a reputation of being alive, but you're dead. You have a reputation of being alive, but you're dead. And what Jesus is saying is that physically the church was alive. The church was alive. Just like we, we come to church, we, we, we sit down, we sing, we clap, we praise, we adore, we worship, put the kids in the back, do whatever. We, the church was functioning. The church of Sardis was a functional church. If you would look at a church, if, you, if, if we were to look at the church of Sardis Physically speaking, from a natural sense, the church was alive. Welcome our visitors. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. The parking lot ministry. Amen. I mean, the church was alive. But Jesus says, physically you're alive. You have a reputation that you are alive, but you're dead. And we can fall into the misconception of concluding That the definition of living out life is performance. It's the doing, it's the action, it's the engaging, it's the coming to church, blowing out your hair, brushing your teeth, driving to the church, parking your car, and clapping your hands. That's part of the church. But Jesus says, you have a reputation of being alive, but you're spiritually dead. And so it's important that we understand, and I don't know how to say this, but that Jesus wants us. You guys are so quiet. It's good. Jesus wants us to die, spiritually speaking. Please, I get this. He wants us to die. Um, yesterday. I was supposed to go preach at a men's conference uh, about an hour away from here, and the day before, Friday, I, I woke up with headaches, a headache, and I was taking um, Tylenol, and, and it just wasn't working. Then uh, Saturday, I woke up dizzy, and uh, I, I've, been, I've been dealing with some health issues for the past uh, 30 days, and, and so I've been trying to fight it out and try to what have you. And, uh, the body was speaking to me, and so I had to listen to my body. So I went to, to uh, Hunters Creek ER, and, and uh, they, they, they took me in. They, 
They took my vital signs. Um, and then I, I knew it was a little serious when he said, take off your clothes and put on this garb. I said, devil is a lie. Um, but I had to take off my clothes. Um, so they put me on a bed and they did some, drew blood and they did well, whatever it is that they do. And, and um, I was laying on, my ho on the hospital bed and my wife came with me. And then they took her on the bed too. <laughs> so we were both drawing blood and doing EKGs, and it was just crazy. It was just a crazy day yesterday. Anyway, um, but I made it to church today. So let that be a lesson to you. You could be sick on Saturday, go to church on Sunday. So the only time pastor, I can't go to church. My toe hurts Friday. Come to church Sunday. But anyway. Anyway, um, and so and so so I was I was I was stuck home. When I left out the hospital, we were stuck home. And my and my wife said, "Babe, we have to stay home." And and I, I don't like to stay home. I like to be involved in meetings and talk and ministry and how you doing and praying. So I was stuck home. And so <clears throat> being stuck home, my wife said, um, "Let's watch movies." Now I don't like watching movies with my wife because she only likes to watch romantic movies. I could, I could only take pretty women for so much, you know? <laughs> um, so we was watching movies, and, 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 and that's always our debacle. I, I want to watch action. She want to watch romance. So we always trying to watch movies that have to deal with action and romance. And, and so anyway, so we ended up watching a movie, which, by the way, I, I didn't know how interested I was in romantic movies until I actually sat down and watched it. So it was a it was a woman uh, a woman it was a movie um, with this guy um, Jack Nicholson um, uh, that he fell in love with an older lady but he first was with the older lady's daughter um, but this guy in the middle of the movie this guy caught like a heart attack caught a heart attack caught a heart attack and when he caught a heart attack they rushed him they rushed him to the hospital and they took him in the hospital and while he's at the hospital uh they ripped open his shirt and they putting all these devices in and it's because he had a heart attack and 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 he feels like he's about to die and, and but right before that when he's about to die he, he in the house he falls onto the ground this lady comes she gives him mouth to mouth she's pumping his chest and she's doing all this stuff and all this stuff they rush him to the hospital and then they say, sir you got a heart attack and um, it was funny because they, they had a device to resuscitate them, which was the machine that they use when, when you flatline, when you flatline, when you flatline, there's a machine that they use to bring you back to life. And, and, and today I want to talk about when it comes to living above the line, I want to talk about the flatline experience. And I don't know if you've ever seen in movies when a person is about to die and they're in the hospital and there's chaos and there's all this stuff going on and, 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 and the person is on the bed and all of a sudden, all of a sudden, when that machine begins to, to change from the beeping sound to the flat line, uh, uh, the, the chaos happens in the, in the operation, right? The nurses begin to move, and the doctors begin to move, and everybody's moving around, and they're taking the machines, and they're trying to jumpstart it, and then, I mean, all this stuff, when, when something like this, look at the screen, when something like this happens, right, and then all of a sudden, you get that, everybody's going crazy, and, and stop, stop, 911, stop, everybody coming, and everybody working, and everybody trying to, trying to pump up, pump up the heart, because the person is dead. Let me tell you that in the spirit realm, the Holy Spirit of God, 
is with the machinery in his hands waiting for you to die to yourself. The problem with many of us is we want God and Jesus and the Holy Spirit and his word to work in us as long as while we're still living our lives the way we want to live it. But you're never going to get the resuscitation process until there's something that dies first. Paul says this in Romans chapter 12, verses 1 and 2. Paul says, Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters. That word urge is like pleading. It's like imploring. Paul, Paul is like, I, I beg you. I, 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 I just want to make sure that if you capture anything. I mean, I talk about justification, chapter 5. I talk about the law of condemnation, chapter 3. I talk about the law of equality, chapter 2. I talk about all this stuff. But if there's anything I want you to capture, is this. This is what I urge you. He says, I urge you, brothers and sisters. There's a sense of urgency that Paul is saying to the church, don't be like the church of Sardis, that you have a reputation that you're alive. He says, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in the view of God's mercy, that you offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. And then he says, do not conform. To the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. This whole urgency that I urge you, all of that he's saying is for this verse, for this verse right here. Then you will be able. He's saying, I, I'm urging to you, I'm, I'm begging you that you please change your mind, that you please change your life, because if you change your mind, then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is. If you ever want to live in the will of God, Paul is urging you today to change your mind, to change the pattern of your mind, to change the systems that you have allowed the world in your environment to build around you. He says, I urge you to change your thinking so that then you can approve God's will. You can know God's will for your life, which is his good and pleasing, perfect will. But to approve and get that approval of his will and get that purpose of God for your life, the first thing we need to do is flatline. You cannot embrace God's perfect will for your life until you flatline first. You will never enter into the reality of the things that God has for you until you flatline first. Now, what is flatline? Flatline is a medical term that they have and there's a machinery that exists to register Electronic, listen to me, waves that occur in your heartbeat and in your brain. Listen to me. When someone says he flatlined, what, some, what that means is he died. He died. Flatlining, flatlining is to be in a state of no progress 
or advancement. To flatline is to come to an end. And this term in the medical field is used when a person has coded red, meaning that the person no longer exists. Interestingly enough, for many people, although they are physically alive, they're living their lives spiritually flatline. Physically, you're working, going to work, paying a bill, shopping, buying, doing this, taking kids to the daycare, taking kids to the basketball game. You're doing all of that. But spiritually, you're dead. And in your death, you're saying, no, I don't want, I don't want the Holy Spirit to revive me. I don't want the Holy Spirit to say me. The Holy Spirit is waiting for you to die. Because once you die to yourself, the Holy Spirit says, now I can do my job. I'm going to re revive you. I'm going to give you that. But you're saying, no, no, no. On top of the fact that I'm dead, I don't need your help. I got this all by myself. But the Holy Spirit's desire today, one, is for us to flatline so that he can come in and do his work. But many people would prefer live a dead life and not experience what God has for them. To be dead means is to have no heart, to have no brain, to have no common sense, to have no activity. To be dead is when your brain says, I'm shutting down, I'm done. And by the way, your brain is the command center. When you die spiritually and when you and I are spiritually dead, your brain, your command center says, I'm not moving any forward. I'm not going to advance. That means I am not going to stay. I'm not going to go forward. I'm going to stay exactly where I'm at. And I just want to be where it says ashes to ashes, dust to dust, and live the rest of my life where I am in my depression, in my circumstance, in my reality. But the Lord is saying, let me jumpstart you today. When someone is at the point of flatlining, he or she is in a state of no progress. And let me tell you something about flatlining. Flatlining is the perfect opportunity for God to begin his greatest work in our lives. But there is no advancement in someone's life when they're flatlined. There is no advancement. There are people that say, I've heard people, I pray for people in the hospital all the time. There are people that say, Pastor, I already made, I signed papers that when, I, when I'm going to die, don't resuscitate me. I just want to die. I've, I've gone to visit patients and said, Pastor, I'm just tired of living. Life is just so rough. You know what? That when the time comes, I'm, I sign papers. Don't resuscitate me. And the Holy Spirit today is standing in the bedside of your operation room telling you, give me an opportunity. You got to die so that I can come in. But we're saying, no, don't come in. I want to live my life my way. And we will never see what Paul says in Romans chapter 12, that we may have that which is acceptable, the pleasing and the will, the will of God for our lives. We will not see that church until we yield ourselves for the Holy Spirit to do and perform his greatest work. But we've got to be willing to die first. Nicodemus was alive. Book of John, chapter 3. Dude was alive. Jesus told Nicodemus, Papa, you got to be born again. Nicodemus came in the middle of the night. You know, hey, hey, Rabbi, what must I do to inherit the kingdom of heaven? Huh? He was trying to make it to heaven. Jesus said, Papa, your problem is that you're trying to live life in the physical realm 
And you think just because you're, you're, you're a leader, just because you're a minister, just because you go to church, you got this right. Let me tell you your problem. The problem is that in order for you to live again, you've got to die first. And you will not see the kingdom of heaven until you're born first. And he tells, he tells Nicodemus, in other words, in order to experience the fullness of God's purpose for your life, Nicodemus, I don't care you've been going to church for a year. You must be born again. But to be born again is to be born by the water and by the Spirit of the Lord. Listen to me. Now, now, now. There are people that don't want to be resuscitated. And so consequently, people like that have the spirit of zombies. Because a zombie is not a real person. A zombie is dead. A zombie is the type of person that only lives and survives eating off of others. A zombie is the person who, you see them on TV like this, right? And they're biting everybody. They live and depend off other people. God wants to take us to the level where we're not depending on nobody, but we ourselves lay our lives in the hands of the greatest surgeon, which is Jesus, and let the Holy Spirit do his work in us. Paul, Paul, Paul put it this way. Paul put it this way. Paul put it this way. He said, I no longer live. You know what Paul is saying when he says, I no longer live? He says, I, I, I kill myself. I died to me. He says, I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. And the life that I now live, I live it to the glory of the Father. I'm here to ask you this morning, who is living your life? Who is steering the ship of your life? Who is steering the house of your life? Who is steering your heart? If it ain't Jesus, you're a walking zombie on your way towards destruction. But if you lay yourself at the operation table and let the Holy Spirit and let Jesus Christ and let his word give you life, you will have life and life in abundance, church. Now, what causes us? Let me tell you. Because some of us, some of us have had the life of Christ in us. Some of us, we know what it is to live in God's purpose. We know what it is to experience God's grace. We know what it is to experience God's, God, God's plan for us. And we were involved and we were active and we were serving and we were in love and we were in that first love and we were on fire for Jesus. But something happened in between your life that the fire and your passion and your commitment and your zeal and your desire began to dwindle to the point that you're flatlined. What causes us to die after having the life of Christ. I'm going to give you three things that causes us to flatline. Number one, deadly patterns based on Romans chapter 12. What causes an individual to flatline? Deadly patterns. That's why Paul says, do not conform to the patterns of this world. The first word I want to mention is the word conform. To conform is to comply with the rules. Paul is saying, don't comply to the rules or the standards of this world. It also means to behave according to social acceptance. Oh, let, 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 me, let me explain that. When I was 17, a couple of weeks ago, right? When I was 17, and I, I, 
I, you know, I, 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 I had this, this, this dialogue with my students at the school I teach. When I was 17, I remember friends of mine in high school that went to jail. They went to jail because they had marijuana in their pocket or they got caught by a police officer in marijuana in a hooky party. And if y'all know what a hooky party is, it's none of your business. <laughs> right? I got friends that went to jail for smoking marijuana. 30 years ago, my friends went to jail for smoking marijuana. 30 years later, you can go to a store and buy marijuana. What was illegal 30 years ago is now socially accepted. So Paul is saying, do not conform. To com In other words, do not do what you do because society says it's okay. Because at the end of the day, society without Christ is dead. And many, and listen, listen, many of us, many of us justify our faults and our sins. And let me tell you, there is power in the blood of Jesus. There's grace of God. There's forgiveness of Jesus. But that's one thing. Another thing is, say, well, I could do this because I could get away with it. No, the Bible says, don't conform to the pattern. I don't care if the world says it's okay. I don't care if society is okay. We are not governed by society. We are governed by the word of God. I remember that. I remember my friends. Melvin went to jail for smoking weed. And now kids are going to stores and buying weeds. And it's legal. Because society set the standard. When you and I die to the world, we cannot live this new life with the standards of the world. It doesn't work. It doesn't work. He says, do not conform. The other word he says, pattern. Now what is a pattern? A pattern is the regular and repeated way in which something happens or is done. Something that happens in a regular and a repeated way. Paul is saying, do not conform to the pattern. You know that many people are addicted to things because they've established patterns of habits. And they say, well, Pastor, can you pray for me? So that I don't, I, I don't do porn no more. I'll pray for you. But if, you're, if, if, you're, if you are, listen, if your pattern is to every day go and watch porn, yeah. I'll pray for you Sunday. And guess what you're going to do Monday? Yep. WWW, I shouldn't be there because I'm a Christian.com. He says, don't conform to the pattern. Now, the question is, how do you break a pattern? You break a pattern, which is a habit, by establishing another pattern. Yeah. So if your pattern is por pornography, you, you know, you, 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 pa pastor, 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 pastor. I can't stop being unfaithful. I tried. And I can't be unfaithful. That's the problem. You're still alive. 
That, that's your problem. You are trying to be un, you are trying to be faithful. Pastor, 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 I can't stop drinking. There's something about the commercial. But here's what you do. If your pattern of pornography has governance over your heart, listen, 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 listen. I, 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 could, I could pray for you, but you got to die. How do you die, the spirit of pornography? Put a little bottle of oil and dip it in your finger and put it on the, on the screen of your, of your computer in the name of Jesus. <laughs> No, 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 no. You, you, you got to say, do, do I want to establish a pattern that contradicts this pattern? Here's what I'm going to do to my little laptop. I'm going to take my laptop. I'm going to go to the 25th floor, or I'm going to look for the highest building, and I'm going to drop my laptop, and I'm going to break it because I'd rather honor God. Let me get that back, please. Pastor, that's an extreme. Whoa, well, if your weakness is poor, if your weakness is that, well, I rather I rather have a broken laptop and have a living life honoring God and being faithful to God. You have to establish a pattern. You have to establish a system. If you're an unfaithful person, how do you break infidelity? You have to make it your business to surround yourself with people who are going to help you and grow you and develop you into being a man of integrity. Paul is saying, don't conform to the pattern of this world. Don't make it an excuse to say, that's just the way I am. Because Paul said, I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. And that hurt my feet for the love of God. Jesus. <laughs> Don't conform. The word is conform. The second word is pattern. The third word is to this world. Don't conform to the culture of this world. We choose to accept and behave in the culture we live in. The devil doesn't make us do anything. We choose to accept the culture we live in. Jesus was in a world of sin, yet he sinned not. And guess what? If you allow Jesus in your heart and in your life, you can do all things through Christ who strengthens you. So your culture cannot be your excuse. Because last I read the book of Daniel, there were three boys who were from, from, from a Jewish nation surrounded in Babylon. And when everybody bowed their knees to worship and the pagan idol of Nebuchadnezzar, these three guys stood by themselves in a system and in a culture that went against the idolatry and the spirit of, of a false god and false word. Listen, I'm here to tell you, church, you've got the power to stay standing in the midst of the culture that goes against God. But you need to, well, here it goes again. And you need... When I, when I flatline and I let Jesus in my life, here's what's happened to me. A shift happens in my life from the world's culture to the kingdom culture. 
when I flatline and the Holy Spirit jumpstarts me and he brings me back to life, now I look at what I used to like from a different perspective. How do you know that Christ is alive in you when the things you used to do that did not honor God, now they repulse you because your life is based on the kingdom system for your life? Listen to me. The world versus the kingdom of God. Jesus taught that we would forsake the world and pursue his kingdom. Matthew 6.33, what does it say? Seek first the kingdom. Come on, read it, read it. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And then, see, we seek, we seek him last. We try everything and when none else work, let's go to Jesus. I try my way, do my, my style. If it don't work, then I go. Jesus says, no, 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 no. You got to first seek the kingdom. Listen to me. When you start seeking the kingdom, here's, here's what's going to happen to your patterns. Your patterns are going to experience change. Now, you know, because when we talk about patterns, we're talking about fasting and praying. And sitting down. Let, me, let me give you a little pattern. Patterns include the way you speak. Because let me tell you, man, I look at all you guys here. Oh, my God, you guys look so beautiful. Your Sephora makeup looks beautiful. Your mascara looks nice. Your shirt looks wonderful. Your Zara little tight suit that your buttons are like, help me, please. You look beautiful. But the real you is not the suit. The real you is what comes out of your mouth. Have you ever met somebody beautiful? God, she's so gorgeous. Oh. oh, look at that brother, Lord. Look at those muscles, those triceps, biceps. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> Have you ever seen somebody, they look so spiritual? They got a big Bible under their armpit. They even know how to sit like a Christian. They go, you know, because, you, know, you know, we say, like, yo, what's up, right? Hi, what's up? No, no, no. They, And when you see them from a, wow, mm. he must be holy. He must be so connected to God. But, but, but there's something about when they open their mouth and demons come out. I'm talking about, I'm talking about like nasty attitude, nasty dispositions. I mean, I'm talking about, I'm talking about, when God says change the pattern to don't be conformed to the pattern, he's saying is, I don't care if you was a snotty nose. I don't care if you disrespectful. I don't care if your mama was like that and your great grandma was like that. When you let me jumpstart your life, that cannot be an excuse. Well, pastor, that's the way I am. If they don't like me, they don't like me. No, that, that, that's the problem. That God doesn't want you to be the way you are because the way you are doesn't work. The way you are doesn't take you nowhere, which is why you're so ugly in the, in the spirit, nasty in the attitude, ugly at heart. But when you die to yourself and let the character and the nature and the spirit of Christ in your life. It'll make you attractive. I've seen, I've seen pretty people, and I've concluded they're so ugly. 
I've seen them. Not so pretty people. But when they speak, they speak beauty. They make you feel comfortable. Listen to me. I'm talking about the pattern of how you speak. The pattern of the habits. One of the greatest challenges is that people want to have different results. But they, they do the same exact thing. People want to people get, get rich. And they spend everything. How in the world are you going to get rich? People want to have a healthy life. And all you eat is pateles, patelillos, chicken nuggets, french fries. But let us learn from the prophetess, Shirley Caesar. Here's what we got to eat. Potatoes, tomatoes, green beans. <laughs> Gotta change our patterns. If you don't change your pattern, you will always be who you are today. What causes an individual to flatline? I told you, deadly patterns. Here's the second thing What causes a person to flatline? Our bodies. Let me explain what I'm saying. My ego, myself. Paul mentions that we should offer up our bodies as living sacrifice. See, see when, when Paul says that, they know what they're talking about. Because in the times of the Bible, in the times of the scripture, there was sacrificing of animals, right? And, 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 and you couldn't come. You couldn't come to the altar to sacrifice because it was the way sacrificing animals was the way of God appeasing the sins of the people. So you couldn't bring to God a dead animal and bring it to, to, to the altar to be sacrificed. You can do that. Why? Because that sacrifice needed to be alive. Why did it need to be alive? Because, because the, the, the purpose of a living thing is in the life. If I were to bring something that was already dead, it didn't have any value to me. Why? Because it's already dead. So when I bring brought in a, a lamb to be sacrificed, I know that if I have the right to keep that lamb, that lamb would grow, and as it grows, it produces money for me because of the wool that it emanates. It will produce food for me to eat. So when I give a living sacrifice, what I'm saying is I could take this for me and benefit of its, of its, of its content, but I'm willing to give it not when it's dead, because when it's dead, there's no value in it. I want to give it while it's alive, while it's still breathing, while it's still in existence. I want, Paul is saying, if you want to know the will of God, Here's what you got to do. You got to lay yourselves as a living sacrifice. Living suggests that it's movable. Living suggests that it's alive. Living suggests that it is capable to make a decision. But when you in your living state say, I'm willing to die, that's what God takes as a reward to bless you. It happened with Abraham. And it happened with Isaac. God tells Abraham, Abraham. I want you to get your son, your only son, the one you love, and I want you to sacrifice him in the mountain I'm going to tell you. Let me just say this. Abraham takes Isaac and says, come on, boy. By the way, when Abraham had Isaac, Abraham was an old man. He was almost 100 when he had Isaac. 
when Abraham sat, was going to sacrifice his son, he was about 12, 13, 14 years old. Isaac was not a little baby, two-month baby. and he's, No, no, he was alive and well. When Abraham tells Isaac, I'm going to sacrifice you, Isaac had the authority and the strength and the power to resist his father, one, because he was strong enough to resist being sacrificed because his father was old. But what did Isaac do? Isaac, who was at the prime of his life, he said, if Papa, if you want me to give up my life, I am going to lay down my life. And you know what happened? As Abraham was about to penetrate and pierce his son with the knife, all of a sudden, God who saw the heart. Remember, I started Revelation chapter 3. You have a name that you are alive, but you are dead. When God saw the inside of Isaac's heart, he told Abraham, you don't even have to kill it because kill him because I've already seen number one your obedience and number one his obedience his capacity to sacrifice himself as a living sacrifice. I'm here to tell you today, church, when Abraham obeyed God and Isaac submitted to be sacrificed, God made provision by giving him a ram stuck between the, 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 the thickets. I'm here to tell you, church, when you begin to submit yourself to the will of God and you offer your life as a living sacrifice and God sees your heart, he will. Make a way for your life, church. Well, some of us, we just want to give God what's already dead. Here, I'll give you my dead marriage. Here, do whatever you can with it. Here, I'll give you, I'll give you, I'll give you my dead finances. I'm broke. I, I'm bankrupt, Lord. If you can use anything, he ain't going to use that mess. Your spiritual worship is connected to your ability to offer yourself to God. Paul says, when you offer yourself as a living sacrifice, Paul says, that's a true worship. True worship is not, Lord, I lift your name my heart. It's not true worship. True worship is when you offer your living life as a sacrifice to God. And Paul says, I heard you, please. Offer yourself, please. I, I, know, I know it's going to look like you're going to die. I know it looks like you're going to lose. I know you're going to die. But I beg you, if you let yourself die in the spirit. So what causes us to flatline? Deadly patterns. Number two, bodies, our self-ego. Number three, auto-indulgence. Look at what Rick Warren said, and I quote, self-indulgence. In the form of lack of self-control or undisciplined living will weaken you. It can be the way you spend money. It can be sex. It can be food. It could be alcohol. It could be your emotions. It can be the way you manage your time. Anything that's left out of control will eventually weaken your life. So we must not allow conformity in areas where God is trying to bring out transformation. Paul advises us to renew our minds. He tells us, be transformed by the renewing of your mind. And then, then, you'll be able to test and approve what God's will is. His good, pleasing, and perfect will. A renewed mindset is the prerequisite for understanding God's will for our lives. The issue with understanding God's will is our opposing and imposing mindset. That's why, church, we must learn. Listen to me, church. We must learn to challenge every thought that comes into our mind to ensure whether they be of God or not. 
The pro- listen, the problem with sin is not the thoughts that come to your mind. That's not it. The Bible says that Jesus was tempted in everything. In everything. Jesus was tempted in, in everything. So think about all of your temptations. He was tempted. In everything. But the Bible says he sinned not. Because he took, he took every thought that came here and he processed it through the word of the Lord. Living for Christ doesn't mean you're not going to have bad thoughts. Living for Christ means doesn't mean you're not going to be tempted. Living for Christ means that you're going to offer yourself as a living sacrifice. And you're going to flatline so that Jesus could resuscitate you to live the Christ life living. That's the goal of God for us today. Now listen to this. Thoughts will come. What do I do when the thoughts come? Paul says in 2 Corinthians 10, 15, look what we got to do when the thoughts come. He says, casting down imaginations. And every high thing that exceeds itself against the knowledge of God. And bringing every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ. Church, we possess the mind of Christ. And as such, we must align every thought to God's thoughts. Paul says, Philippians, and I close, 4.8. Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such Now, why is that important, church? Because right living produces, sorry, right thinking produces right living. You want to live right? Think right. The Bible says, as a man thinks in his heart, so is he. If we're going to live right according to God's will, we must become aware of our thinking patterns, church. And the good thing about that is when you start thinking right, you live right. And when you start living right, you produce right sight. You start seeing things God's way. So for transformation to happen, church, there must be an application from your part. Paul says, 422 of Ephesians, put off your old self, which belongs to your former manner of life and is corrupt through deceitful desires. And to be renewed by the spirit of your minds. Again, he says, I urge you. The Holy Spirit is saying, I urge you, church. I beg you. I beg you. So that you can experience transformation. He says, I beg you. Let's break the patterns and embrace God's system for our lives. So this afternoon... You're at the bed of the hospital. Like I told you, I was watching that movie with my wife. And Jack Nicholson was there about to die. <clears throat> Flat line. The Holy Spirit is right there in front of your body. 
and you're fighting with yourself, the Holy Spirit is saying, would you hurry up and die so I can jumpstart you into my life? And you're saying, no, no. Let's surrender today. Surrender your life. The Bible says, he who gives his life will keep it. He who gives his life. That's crazy. That doesn't even make sense. He who gives his life shall save it. Give up your life. Let's surrender. We hope this message has inspired you. As a place of hope, our church is committed to reach our community. If you'd like more information about New Birth, visit our website at nbplaceofhope.com.